they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph my son is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Fathers, we bound the wonderful divine presence of sovereignty tonight. I want to thank you for what we've already heard. Thank you for the good singing, Lord, the good preaching. Help us, Lord, not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word as well. And help all of us to practice what we've already heard tonight. Now, Father, you know what you put on my heart. I pray to give me wisdom and grace to, to, to preach what you've got for us tonight. We'll bless you. Pray some poor sinner to be convicted, repent of their sins, put their faith in Christ. Those of us that are saved, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd uh, continue to set the atmosphere for this service tonight, not just tonight, but for the rest of the week. We'll bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Jacob has, in our text, experienced a great change in his life. He has found out that Joseph is yet alive. And it has changed him. It has revived him. Not only has it helped them, but him, but it's helped the brethren, them boys that sinned against him. You know the story of Joseph. And simply tonight, I want to preach on because he lives. And and, uh, really, that ought to be enough to excite any old-fashioned Baptist. That was the message of the early church, was the resurrected Christ. And if I could compare Joseph to Jesus tonight, it ought to be enough just to know that Jesus is alive. Now, you couldn't tell it by looking at a lot of Baptists in our day, but he is alive. And uh, things changed in Jacob's life because he found out that Joseph was alive. Joseph not only gave the message that he was alive, but he sent proof that he was alive. And I'm glad, thank God, that Jesus not only sent a message, but he sent the wagons to go along with it. And he proved that he was alive. It went further than an empty tomb and a stone rolled away. The angels there with a message. Jesus literally walked through a wall and presented himself physically to Thomas. And with many infallible proofs, he proved himself alive. Number one tonight, and this may be as far as we go, because he lives, we have redemption from sins. Now, where do you see redemption from sins? You do know the story of Joseph and his brethren, don't you? I mean, every time I read about Joseph, I experience every emotion I think can be given to mankind. I never forget the first time I ever read that story. I heard of that young man with that coat of many colors and 
and uh, how that his daddy told him to go check on his brethren. He had had a dream. I'm just reading right along in the old cabin up there on Old Canuga Road. Uh, and uh, brother, I find out how that they uh, took his coat off of him. And uh, I recently uh, learned that, uh, and I already knew this, but uh, it wasn't just any kind of coat, you know that. Uh, B. Meyer said that it was, uh, it was a coat of royalty uh, and uh, that you, it's the kind of coat you wouldn't want to wear to work. It's the kind of coat you'd want to wear to show up and let everybody know you're somebody. And them old boys got jealous of him and took his coat off, put goat blood on it, said, we'll tell you what we think about your blood. And brother, when they throwed him in the pit, man, I got angry. If I could have if I could have got on an airplane, I'd have flew over to Jerusalem, right in and there, and I'd have whipped me some Joseph's brethren. But then I got to reading and looking along that when they sold him into slavery, it wasn't a bad thing. It actually saved his life. It was better than the alternative. The half of them was wanting to kill him graveyard dead. But somebody sold him into slavery and God used that to save his life. And beloved, a life lesson would be that when the brethren sell you out somewhere along the line, God's gonna use it to save your life. So I got pretty upset. Then he got over there with Potiphar and Oh, beloved, that was a blessing. Here he is. He's, he's gaining ground again. He's got some responsibilities. And then that Potiphar's wife. I'm telling you, that devil, somebody ought to give her a good old-fashioned whooping trying to deal with God's man like that. But old Joseph had character, and I said, good for you, Joseph, run from her. You don't need her. Oh, then he ends up in jail. I'm upset again. And then he get the, uh, the butler and the baker get out, and you... And uh, Joseph is elevated. Then he's up there in front of Pharaoh. And boy, I'm excited. I'm saying glory to God, Joseph. I know it's been a rough road. And then when I got down to that part that where his brethren came to town and that Joseph was the one feeding his hand, I said, all right, Joseph, here's your chance. Sell them to the Ishmaelites. Put them in jail. Cut their hands off. Do something. Pay them back. Get them back. You got them right where you want them. And I begin to read. Joseph never done it. Joseph didn't put them in jail. Joseph didn't cut their heads off. He simply forgave them. Brother, I, I don't know if that don't light your fire, your woods wet, that we've got a God in heaven, we are guilty of his death. And beloved, we are guilty of being sinners and every one of us deserve hell. But God, instead of giving us what we deserved, he forgave us and don't hold it against us and don't bring it up anymore. Thank God we have been forgiven. These old boys, if anybody decided to be put in jail, these boys did. I mean, they lied to their daddy, let her let their daddy be in uh, despair for 20 years. And well, they had uh, put the whole family in anguish, divided the family. Now Jacob finds out, or Joseph finds out that his daddy's alive. Jacob finds out that Joseph's still alive. And brother, what the result is, it brings forgiveness. Are you picking up what I'm putting down tonight? If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus got up three days after he died, we'd have no forgiveness. We'd have no redemption. He died for our forgiveness. But it just, it just ain't about 
you know, and it is, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. There were some things involved in these young men, or they weren't young anymore, these brethren getting forgiven. Well, you go back to the, briefly over the story of Joseph and you'll find out that they run out of corn and God has dried them out to drive them in. And a lot of times when God sends a famine, it's for our good and his glory. If they wouldn't have been no famine, I bet he never found out Joseph was still alive. God dried them out to drive them in. And beloved, you remember when you got saved, how did God begin drying you out? And the goodness of God, that leading me to repentance. And God used things how to get your attention to get you to him. So here they go. And I didn't have God on my mind that night I got saved. I was on my way to a party. A wicked, ungodly sinner, but ended up at church and God forgave me. But when they get there, you know how Joseph puts their money back in their sacks and ends up getting Benjamin. Boy, them boys, they get what I like to call under good old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. <laughs> and uh, well here they are boy our sins found us out we're in trouble it's over with now and uh, boy we're in uh, do you remember when God put you under conviction and you seen how lost you was how much trouble you was I know y'all still believe in Holy Ghost conviction had it not been for the spirit of God uh, convicting us and showing us we lost without God we'd have never got saved it took the Holy Ghost to take the blinders off our eyes. Conviction. And one brother, I told you not to throw him out. I told you not to do that. And here they are, they're under conviction. Not only did it bring conviction, and I tell you what, I shout about it right now. I rejoice about 24 years ago getting under deep conviction and boy, God hanging me out over hell, but I wasn't shouting while I was under conviction. I wasn't rejoicing while I was under conviction. I wasn't doing cartwheels. I didn't take a lap around the building and say, thank God, God just showed me I was lost. Maybe I, if I could have crawled up on the carpet, I would have. God, let me see how wicked and low down and dirty and rotten I was. Conviction. But then... If you want the Bible reference, chapter number 42, I believe it'd be verse 44. The Bible says, chapter, well, it ain't 42. It's somewhere in the Bible, okay? <laughs> I hate wearing glasses. Somebody help. Oh, yeah, chapter 44, verse 16. I got you now. Put them up there close so you can see to help you. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? Well, there was a clearing of self. But they was trying to clear themselves on the wrong matter. Because Joseph was uh, done put that cup in that sack of corn. And Joseph's the one that done set that up. And Joseph's done got them back over there. They said, how are we going to clear ourselves? Hey, they're trying to deal with the wrong matter. What these boys needed to go was back to their original sin. What's got them in that mess to begin with? 
Yes, you may be a drunkard, you may be a dopard, you may be a whore, a whoremonger, a fornicator, you may be all the above, but you're gonna have to go back further than that. I was just born in sin. In sin did our mothers conceive us. Adam and Eve messed it up in a garden and we were born in trouble. And what these boys was needing to do was go all the way back to the root of the problem. Now I'm afraid a lot of times, a lot of reasons why we've got sinners making false professions in our meetings, they're just skimming the surface and they ain't went back to the root of the matter. The reason you do what you do is because you're wicked in your heart and you got sin in your life and you were born crooked as a dog's hind legs. That's how crooked, oh, I told my children ever, ever since they could halfway understand English. You're lost. Now, I wouldn't go along with this crowd that believes God sends babies to hell. I don't believe in that mess. I believe, and there's the time of an innocent child. Once they reach the age of accountability, what is that age? I have no idea. It may be a different age for different people. I don't know they get an understanding level, and I'm confident there's some uh, mentally retarded, and I don't say that disrespectfully. People that don't have the mind, I'm confident they never reach the age of accountability. So don't worry about your autistic brother or your, or your mentally retarded sister. God ain't going to uh, be a tyrant and put them in hell. Uh, God, I'm, oh, don't get me started on that, but I'm telling you right now uh, that you got to have to find out, child. Low down and dirty and rotten you are. Hey, hear these preachers make these statements like, well, I believe there's a spark of good in every man. That is so contradictory to the word of God. The Bible said there's none good, no, not one. Wasn't nothing in me. I didn't have enough money to merit the grace of God. I didn't have good looks enough to merit the grace of God. I didn't have the social standing to merit the grace of God. I tell you what, you've got to do to qualify to be saved. You've got to be lost. Deal in your heart and in your mind. You realize that you've got to clear yourself. How do I clear myself of God? Well, Jesus has got to do it. We'll get there in a minute. Well, there was a, there was a conviction. There was a clearing. But then there was a confession. Now, twice they confessed. Once when Joseph spake roughly to them and Joseph couldn't refrain himself and had to leave the room because he was crying. It was emotional around his brethren. They got to talking one to another and Joseph heard everything they said. We shouldn't have threw him in a pit. We shouldn't have done him wrong. We're in trouble now. But then after he reveals himself to them and Jacob shows up, they go to confess again and Joseph stops them and says, hey, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And Joseph had seen the bigger picture. He knew the unseen God and providential hand of God had brought them him that way and brought them that way. And beloved, you know what Joseph did when he forgave them? He didn't bring it up anymore. He treated them like royalty. He took care of them. He gave them an inheritance. And Joseph practiced real Bible forgiveness with them guys. Has Jesus ever brought your sins up to your remembrance since he saved you? Absolutely not. 
greatest definition of forgiveness, and I never preach on forgiveness without saying it, is when God forgave us and we forgive somebody, let's be God-like and treat them just like Jesus does. Treat them like it never happened. Boy, it's hard for us Baptists, ain't it? Boy, I had a man get in my face here about two months ago. Oh, brother. I mean, buddy. I sent him on down the road. You just leave on out. You're going to act like that? I mean, you ain't got nothing to talk about. Just ease on down the road. Hard, stubborn, proud man. One day he came back, Matthew and I, we was working. And showed up on the job. I pulled up. I seen his truck. I said, oh, no, not again. And I walked up and he had a wonderful countenance about him. Him and Matthew were standing there talking. He reached up. I'm talking about a logger now. Reached up, put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, John, I've come down here to ask you to forgive me. He said, I've been sitting around a few few days thinking, and he said, the Lord showed me something. I said, what's that? He said, you can't put a price tag on friends. You two boys have been real friends to me. I looked at him and I said, I'm going to treat you just like Jesus. He said, how's that? I said, you're forgiven. I'm going to treat you like you've never done it. Let's don't never talk about it again. And if you could have seen that feller's eyes, how big they got. Wow. Brother, that's real forgiveness. Joseph is yet alive because he lives. <laughs> because he lives a million years from tonight. There won't be no accuser of the brethren reminding us of what we were. Jesus won't be looking at us and say, hey, you don't deserve to be here. He'll look at us and say, you're here because I loved you and I forgave you and I saved you. Thank God for the redemption that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ because he lives. There's forgiveness. Hurriedly tonight. Under the heading of redemption from sin, we have forgiveness. <laughs> and I like this one. They got their father back. Old Jacob hadn't been the same in 20 years. Yes, <laughs> he had been discouraged, depressed, defeated. He wasn't ashamed. Matter of fact, the Bible said when they brought news to him that Je- Joseph was dead and they brought that coat with that goat's blood on it, the Bible said that he refused to be comforted. He didn't get no comfort from church. He didn't get no comfort from a Bible. He didn't get no comfort from the brethren and those liars that came to him. He would not get comfort from them. Everywhere Jacob went, it was defeat, doom, gloom, and despair. You don't have to live discouraged. You don't have to live depressed. Why? Because he lives. Daddy's back. The Bible said that his spirit revived. Great God. Because he lives. Now what Adam and Eve... Adam is the one that done it by one man's sin. But Eve was in on it too. 
what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. That relationship between man and God the Father. Jesus got it back in another garden. And when Christ died on the cross, he took God in one hand and man in the other hand. He broke down that middle wall of partition. He bridged the gulf that separated us from God the Father. And he made us a way back into the holy of holies, a way back into the family of God, a way to be redeemed. And now we have fellowship with the Father. We have redemption from sin. They got their father back. He's back. Then, nextly, and I won't labor this, I got one more point I think the Lord may have me emphasize tonight. They did get some food. I like food, don't you? I like to eat a lot. Then, they got a future. It's on now. Every one of us. I, I like what that old woman said in the choir up there in the old mountain church in Fletcher, North Carolina. Out near Hooper's Creek. I believe it was Hooper's Creek. Had her on the radio and she said, well, I'm glad I've been able to come to church. Must have been in her late 80s, early 90s. And she said, if I get that virus, that's what she called. If I get that old coronavirus, she said, I hope I get it at church because I want everybody to know where I've been. Because he lives, secondly, tonight, we can have a revival in our spirits. Very briefly, I... I was going to save this for tomorrow night, but God's put something else on my heart. There were three things. I studied this just briefly, and there were three things that God used, and I said, Lord, what would you have me to emphasize? What would you have? How do you want me to preach this revival in our spirits? What? Uh, and God said, I just want you to write it down. I wrote down what God said, and there were some things that God used to revive Jacob's spirit because he lives. We can have redemption from sin. We can have a revival in our spirits. Three things, briefly. First of all, God used the truth to revive Jacob's spirit. He didn't send a skyscraper preacher over there that was given one story after another story after another story after another story that had no biblical foundation on it. He used the truth. You've got a King James Bible in your lap. You've got the truth of God in your lap. And uh, neighbor, I, I like it. I feel God. I like it when we get the goose pimples. I like it when my hair stands up. Uh, but neighbor, if the truth ain't enough to revive us, then there is something bad wrong with us. I tell you, it's true. This Bible ought to fire us up when we hear it preached, when we read it by ourselves. That's why we ought to memorize it. That's why we ought to read it every day of our lives. I don't know about you, but I love my Bible. I know sometimes it gets wearisome to the flesh to study. Aren't you glad when you plow through and tell your flesh to leave you alone and you stay in the Word of God? How it does revive your spirit. They had lied about Joseph's coat. They had preached heresy to Jacob. 
There's a lot of people think just because they got the coat, you really don't have the coat because you ain't going to get the coat without the blood of God. There's a lot of people got on some kind of coat of self-righteousness. And it's got blood on it, but it's goat's blood. And did you take a note of Jacob's life that never gave him assurance? That never gave him peace? That never gave him hope? That never gave him anything by the way of joy? But neighbor, after all them years, it wasn't a coat. It wasn't fake blood. It was the news that Joseph was yet alive and God used the truth. I may use an illustration every once in a while. I'm not against them. Jesus used parables. That ought not be the foundation of our messages. Truth. A truth that was enough. But then God used a trip that was very exciting. I like going places with God, don't you? God, whether it's in your Bible time, whether it's in your preaching time, whether it's in a good old-fashioned revival meeting, you get there on a Monday night, and boy, she'll crank up just a little bit slow, and Tuesday night it'll pick up a little bit. Oh, and about Thursday or Friday night, God will break in. and Man, maybe the preacher say, I think we need to go another week. Praise the Lord, let's do it. Or whether it be just in one service, whatever trip. And I never knew that when God saved me uh, then many years ago that uh, I would end up being a, a Baptist preacher. And I'd end not beating you good godly people. Not in not preaching the word of God. Not in not being where I'm at. But the trip has been good. And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. It was a trip that was exciting. But then let's hasten on. Over here. Jacob. Verse chapter 46, verse 29. Judah, and he sent Judah before him and unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen, and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. Now watch this. You ought to underline this. Brother Lane, I'd love to hear you preach on this verse and expound on it sometime. The Bible said, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. God used the truth. God used the trip. But now God's using a touch. <laughs> Alright, that what we need tonight is the touch of Almighty God. The touch of His wonderful Son. All because He lives. We can have His touch. As we stand all over the building tonight, our Father... Pray you'd lead God and direct Pastor Anderson in the invitation. Pray you'd send great revival. We'll bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.